Well, good morning and welcome, Calvary Quakertown. It's great to have you with us this morning. And for any of you wondering, it's not that Jay and I don't really like Carlos. First service, I was actually in between them. They moved me over here. Not sure why, but Jay and I are over this side. Carlos is over that side. Well, our goal this morning is to take a little look back, a look around, and then a look ahead to figure out where we've been, where we are, and kind of where we're headed. So Jay, why don't you get us started by looking back? Well, that video that we just watched actually captures well the, uh, the, the foundations of Calvary Church and how it was started. Seventy years ago, Calvary Church was started by a group of, of people who really reflected and, and, and really embraced taking risks, being willing to go out on a limb for that great adventure of following Jesus on his mission, and they were willing to do it with courage. And, uh, you know, th- th- that group of people uh, is an amazing group, and some of them are still alive and still here at Calvary to, to this day. But some of the things that they believe that led to the start of this church is actually what we still believe today. For example, they really said, we want to start a church that really is built upon grace, not legalism. And we truly believe today that that is the, the DNA of Calvary Church. But they also said that they want to make sure that they make sacrifices to reach new people, to reach young families, to reach the next generation, and that church wasn't just for them. But they also believed firmly that they would never compromise the Word of God. And so they believed heavily in teaching it, studying it, and actually becoming people who live it and practice it in their lives. We had the privilege a couple of years ago before both he and his wife, Miriam, went to be with the Lord in heaven to interview uh, Bill Anders. And so watch this brief video of Bill and Miriam a couple of years ago. I was in the Mennonite Church for 11 years. After you started Calvary Church, that's when uh, people rejected us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, changing from the Mennonite to to this, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. The t- things were changing for it was back in, back in the historical days and, uh, and many people were dissatisfied, but not many were willing to pay the price of breaking away. Uh, leaders have to be careful that they, uh, stay within the biblical bounds and also the financial bounds. And that, that they continue to reach out into the community and bring people in, is, I think is the most important. Bill had a phrase that he had used a number of times when sharing with us and other staff members And that phrase was this, the message and the mission never change, but other things will. And so we really believe to this day that the message and mission can't change, but a lot of other things around us will change. In fact, you know, look at this picture that just reminds you of how change takes place. (laughs) That's a picture of Charles and I when we started here at Calvary Church where we had hair. I was actually, it looks like I'm tall in that picture. I I shrunk. Uh, You have little hair. Um, And uh, and actually, Carlos was just going through puberty at that point. And... (laughs) 
So we, uh, we have changed, but culture continues to change, but our message does not. Charles, why don't you share a little bit about cultural change? Okay. Culture is a, a pretty complicated subject, and we could take a long time and months and months to kind of work through it. But if you think about culture, whether it's of an organization, of a particular region, or of the world, culture's built on a couple of things, assumptions, values, and priorities. What things are assumed to be true, what do people value, and then what priorities get lived out on the basis of that? Well, with those three things in mind, our culture in North America today has been called post-Christian. Now, post does not mean anti, it means after. So we live after Christianity was influential, forming assumptions and priorities and values. Not, that doesn't mean it's against, even though sometimes it feels like that, it is after the main influence of that. Now, you know some of the symptoms even without knowing some of the philosophy behind it. For example, when Calvary Church was started, we just talked about that, Calvary Church had Sunday morning service and Sunday school, Sunday evening service, Wednesday evening service, and all of those services involved singing from the hymn book. Um, do you know now the average American, if they're, if they're church attenders, the average church attending American attends church less than two times a month. And they consider themselves functioning, fully functioning members of that community. Now you may think, oh yeah, but that's the average. No, that's actually true at Calvary Church too. Uh, it's easy for us to run numbers like that from our children's ministry. A lot of our families only attend Calvary Church two or less times a month because they've got sporting events, other priorities, hobbies. We're not critiquing that. We're just saying cultures change based on assumptions, values, priorities. So how then do we do ministry and continue what Jesus started in a culture that's radically different than it was in the 50s? Well, that brings into play what we've talked about a number of times, and that's absolutes, convictions, and preferences. What things are absolutely and forever true, we die on those hills, we believe them, and we don't change them. What convictions have we developed um, that we live by, but we're in conversation and dialogue about? And what preferences do we have? Things we really like, but we should be willing to discard if it's going to interfere with being effective in mission. So that prioritization actually helps us think through what works best in culture, and we have to retain even if it doesn't, and what can we be willing to negotiate away because we have absolutes, convictions, and preferences. As we were looking at ourselves with those filters in mind of absolutes, convictions, and preferences, and as we began to look at the church and pray for discernment, uh, there was this theme that kept coming back to us, this theme of discipleship. And when you look at our new vision of continuing what Jesus started, and when you look at our new values of connect and impact, what you need to understand is that filter of discipleship has been such an influence on the choices that we made regarding to that vision and those values. And so when we were looking at discipleship, we were looking at three areas when it came to that. And we were looking at building relationships, and we were looking at biblical instruction, and we were looking at mission. And so when we look at that first concept of, of, of building relationships, we need to understand that there needs to be opportunities for us to connect with one another. Uh, there needs to be opportunities where authentic relationship is happening. And so, Charles, why don't you talk a little bit about a couple of our ideas that we have for a relation, uh, relationship and also for opportunities for people to connect with each other. Okay. You know, it's really easy to walk into this auditorium 
or walk into Quakertown on a Sunday morning, participate in the service, and to walk out without ever connecting in any kind of deep way with anybody else. Now, I don't say that as a critique. Some of you are here, and that's exactly what you need to be doing. Jay and I have heard through the years, Calvary was a safe place for us to come and, not, and be anonymous. People don't ask me my name. They don't have to know the details of my life. But that's not the way we should continue. You can't go through all of life like that. Spiritual growth happens in community, in connection. So we need to think of ways to build relational connection so that we can be impacted by the gospel as well as be energized to go and impact others. Now, there are lots of different ways that people do connect at Calvary. We have home groups and small groups. We have ministry teams. We have women's ministry, men's ministry, lots of different ways. We have ABFs, adult Bible fellowships. Interestingly, we changed the name from Sunday school to adult Bible fellowship a number of years ago because we wanted to emphasize relationship, connection, that's the fellowship part, and scripture, that's kind of the impact part. They work together, so that part's not changing. In fact, we want to say to all of you that participate and benefit from ABFs, we're committed to ABFs. We want to resource what you all do, what, what you all are doing. We need to expand some of those offerings. You'll hear a little bit more about that. But we're, we love what you're doing. We know lots of people find connection impact there. We need to do more of that. But that raises a question. There are, there's only so much space that we have on a Sunday morning. Why should we limit community building to a one location and one time during the week? So one of our priorities is, over the next couple of years, we are going to launch four off-site gatherings, maybe more, but at least four. Those gatherings will be for connection and for impact. Two of those gatherings will be launched this coming May. One of them is going to be housed at Tel Telford Lutheran Community. And in Telford Lutheran Community, there'll be a room, there'll be a gathering. Anybody can come, they can bring anybody. Calvary has lots of members that live there. There's a shuttle that runs from Rock Hill to there. That will be a place off-site where there can be community and impact. We're also launching this May a young adult off-site gathering. And Jeremiah stopped in my office on Friday and said, Charles, I just met with the owner of a great space in Quakertown. We're ready to launch our young, our young adult gathering. There'll be a young adult gathering that'll be launched in May as well. You'll be learning more details about both of those in the future, but we want you to know we're committed to group gatherings, whether they're ABFs here or whether they're off-site gatherings for connection and impact. What we want you to understand is that when we are, become a church, that actual true connection happens. When we connect with each other and uh, we connect with each other's lives, that an impact occurs in our own personal life. And so we wanted to share a story of just that uh, today. And so we would love for you to take a look at the video up on the screens. Uh, I grew up uh, Catholic. I was baptized, confirmed, went through uh, the normal Catholic standards, uh, attended that church for as, as long as I could remember as, as a child. Uh, but as I got a little bit older, uh, I kind of, I would say, lost my way, lost my connection with a, a church and having a, a regular church to attend. I remember um, hearing about Calvary in the past, and it was this almost like this compound in, in Souderton um, that had a you know play area and a coffee bar. And me growing up Catholic, I was just like, what? Like that doesn't, you know. So um, 
we, you know, decided to attend though, because I, I was missing that part, and, and Kate and I had agreed that we wanted God in our life and our marriage, and um, so we had attended. And I, I remember I and walking in the door, and I walked into the first entrance in the auditorium, and you know, it's it's kind of um, intimidating when you first walk in to to the church. Uh, this big stage and a lot of seating, almost looks like a, a mini stadium. But obviously we were committed at that point and sat down and as new and, and different as it was, it was also very exciting. Calvary offers an incredible amount of resources, um, whether it be you know, Bible study classes, whether it be volunteering through different ministries, uh, you know, there was always some kind of opportunity to connect and make the church smaller for ourselves. So. You know, we, we took that angle and uh, I really kind of dived into it, got onto the greeting team. So I've really uh, found a way to develop and, and, and engage into the church through that. Uh, I currently serve on the hub, which is amazing to meet people. Uh, I, my wife serves in the kids ministry, uh, helping out with the three-year-old class. You know, and we've found a way now to take that big church and make it our own small church. It's almost like a, a little community for me. I look forward to every Sunday morning when I come in, you know, finding my people and, and um, talking. And so um, it's been really quite exciting to kind of bring that big church into small church feeling for me. Calvary makes it a priority to touch the community. They're, uh, you know, anyone who's up there speaking always makes mention of how are we, how are we helping the community? How are we helping others? Pray for the person that's gonna be sitting in your seat uh, you know, during the next activities or during the next message. Obviously never experienced anything like it. And the more and more I get involved uh, with, you know, especially the men's Bible study, the Exploring Jesus class that I'm taking right now, you see it's so evident that that is what everyone who attends here is, is for, just spreading the word of Jesus and helping others in the community and hoping that if it's just one person that we help, that we, we did our mission. Relationships are non-negotiable, but the reality is, is that they're also difficult. And whether it's here in Souderton or in our Quaker Town campus, uh, it takes effort to build relationships. It's going to take courage. It's going to take commitment. Uh, it's going to take some vulnerability. And what we understand as a senior leadership team is that that starts with us, that we need to do that as a team. And the reality is, is that uh, we're a new team. And so we're getting to know each other as a team. And, and we've had some good conversations with each other. We've held each other accountable. We've confronted each other when we need to. We've encouraged each other and we've laughed a lot as well. And so we take this seriously. And so whether it's the voices of each other in our own lives or whether it's the voices of, of our department staff, our staff department heads, uh, Jess Greaser or, or Karen Piazzani or Eric Scardino, who have continued to talk into our life as well, we are believing that we are going to continue to be refined and, and sharpened as leaders. And we think that's important. We think that's important to do with not just our department heads, but with all of our staff and with all of you as well. Because we are serious about building relationships. And we're serious about building relationships because we're serious about discipleship. And so I said that uh, relationship was one of the areas of discipleship. Well, another area of discipleship is biblical instruction. We understand that when it comes to connect and impact, that we need to connect with God and have him impact our lives in order for us to go, go and connect with others and impact the lives of others. Well, one of the ways that we connect with God and impact, and he impacts our lives is through his word through the Bible. And we understand that there is a need for us to provide opportunities for us to know what's in the Bible, uh, know what it means, 
and know what we believe. And so, Jay, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that we are excited about going forward in 2020 to 2020 to 2022? Well, you already heard Charles share some of the things we already provide and some of the new things we're going to experiment with as offsite gatherings. We also are believing we need to add some new opportunities here in addition to what we already provide. We're planning to launch over the next two years uh, a couple of really cool things, and some of them actually build on the Exploring Jesus uh, series that we do. But, but uh, we're hoping that uh, we are going to launch uh, some Sunday morning and Wednesday evening electives and uh, be another opportunity for people to grow deeper in their faith. It matches that value that, that uh, the founding members of this church had, and that is that they not only reach out, but they grow deeper. And so we want to strive for that as well. But it gets confusing because we have a lot of different things we offer here. So we're really excited to say that by the fall, we're hoping to launch uh, something that would be almost like uh, Calvary Church course catalog. And it's going to take all the things that are new and all the things that we've had and put them together like a college catalog where you say, oh, I want to take that course. I see when it's going to be offered. I see who's teaching it. And you can start to plan ahead of what's coming and uh, what's going to be provided for you so that you could take responsibility to manage your own spiritual growth as well. And so it's important for us to understand, again, what's in the Bible and for that instruction to happen. And that doesn't just happen in this room. It will happen uh, outside of this room. It will happen in the community gatherings as well, so outside of this building. And so as we look at that course catalog and we add these electives, we encourage you uh, to take a look at what it is that uh, you might need to grow a little bit deeper in and take a look at what it is that you might need a little bit more instruction in. And so, as I said, uh, in regards to discipleship, we talked about relationships and, and we talked about uh, biblical instruction. And then the third area of discipleship that we were looking at when we came to connect and impact was mission. Uh, we desire to impact our community. When it comes to our, our vision, uh, continuing what Jesus started has been a fabric of the DNA of Calvary Church for years, and that is going to continue going forward. Uh, and so what we would like to do is continue to impact our community with the gospel. And we are really excited about an organization in Quakertown that is doing just that. Uh, they have impacted the community of Quakertown in a great way. Why don't you take a look at this video on the screen uh, to get an idea of what we're talking about. Freefall was started about 12 years ago, and it was a way for us to connect with the kids out in our local skate park. Um, at that time, the skate park was really not a great place to, to hang out. Um, there was a lot of drugs, there was violence, um, that type of thing, and the borough was ready to just shut it down. Um, but a few people thought that this was a great place to, to step into the community and help these kids. The skate park is all about where they want to be. Um, of course, the goal was to bring them into the church, but as we're, we're firm believers that the church is wherever we bring Jesus. So we've, we've had these events and we've made these connections and it's grown and grown and grown and, and built the Freefall Energy Center. And that has become a place where kids can hang out. So that was, we had our grand opening last year at our September event, which we've been holding now for 11 years. And that has grown from maybe 20 kids, 50 kids in the beginning, to well over 100 competitors and over 1,000 people coming in attendance. And, and that's our biggest event of the year. It's really, it's not only about the events, but it's about the relationships and the relationships that we've made in the community and partnering with other churches and really, but most importantly, partnering with, with, these, with these kids. And a lot of the, the kids in the, in the area didn't, don't have 
really stable homes or they, they've come from really difficult situations. And so a lot of our volunteers just are making those connections and, and really um, building those relationships and showing them it's okay to trust people and it's okay. And while we're doing this, we're sharing God's love. We're, we're sharing the word and you know we're very open about that we're faith-based, but we just wanna connect with them in a real way. There was a set of brothers that we know dearly and um, they were at the skate park and they started hanging around with our volunteers and connecting with them. And they both have really grown in their relationship with Christ. They both have um, really accepted him into their hearts and were baptized and in turn started in um, really reaching the other younger kids. They've turned their lives around and are both in college now and doing great and continuing their walk with Christ and spreading that love. What that has done, it's really um, given us more purpose. Christ teaches us not to hold that in. We are to be disciples and we are to reach out into the community. And through ministries such as Freefall, we're able to do that as a family serving together, but really um, to show how important it is to have that relationship with Christ, that free gift. And that's where Freefall gets its name too. It's the free gift that Christ gives each of us if we so choose to take it. Our involvement with Freefall is a great example of our three P's of mission. We need to be present in our communities and in different places. We need to participate in what's going on and what God's doing. And we need to partner with organizations that we're in sync with in accomplishing what God may be about. But you know, when I think of the three P's, right? Presence, participation, partnership, those words actually grew out of our urban priorities from a while ago when we worked with a number of organizations in Philadelphia. So we worked with Simple Cycle, Esperanza Health, Orange Corner Art, we put Wi-Fi in a bunch of facilities, Timoteo Football, Oxford Circle Community Center. We're not stopping those urban priorities, we're changing the name. So we're gonna change urban and freefall, they're gonna be our regional priorities. And if we put them together, we believe we're gonna be able to experience some synergies that come from putting them together and getting different groups dialoguing together that we can try new things, do better at what we have done and initiate some things, maybe even up in the Allentown area that we've never thought of thus far. So stay involved, put your seatbelts on and we'll see what's gonna happen with our regional priorities. In addition to that shift of just looking at urban partnerships to regional partnerships, we are going to continue to invest in our bridge ministry where we are looking to impact the lives of families that are affected by disabilities. Jay, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what's going on bridge and what we're excited about there? You know, bridge has been a priority that we designated uh, five years ago, but even prior to that, it had been something that God had just really raised up within Calvary Church. And it's a really uh, cool opportunity for community impact. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I live in a uh, neighborhood of about 18 homes. And the government says that in a typical neighborhood that size, there would be at least two families that are being affected by disability uh, in some fashion, either with an adult, a child, or an adolescent. Actually, in my neighborhood, it's five. So that tells you the significance. In fact, it's estimated by the government that 40 to 50 million people have some form of disability in the United States. 
And so under the uh, newly appointed leadership of uh, Jen Stute and the team that we're building, we want to go even further because we think the opportunity for spiritual and community impact and helping families is significant. And you will be hearing more about that over the next couple of weeks when we talk more in depth about what's happening at Bridge. So we hope you got a little bit of a taste of what we're excited about for 2020 to 2022. You also should have gotten a booklet as you came in, our CWJS booklet. If you didn't, it's okay. Uh, you can go ask for one at the hub. Uh, gives you a little bit of a broader list of some of the other strategies that we will be doing and some of the, our priorities going forward. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit and take a look at the Bible and see where these values came from and where this vision came from uh, that we are rolling out for 2020 to 22. Will you just join me as we pray? God, we just thank you for your goodness and for your love. And we thank you for what you're doing, uh, not just here at Calvary Church, uh, but in our communities around us and in the churches around us. And so we ask you that you would just give us wisdom uh, as we move forward uh, into this new chapter of our story, uh, that you would allow us to have hearts that are courageous and that are willing to do whatever it takes uh, to continue the mission that Jesus started. As we look into your word, we ask you that you would just, uh, just guide us and uh, allow us to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, one of the things that you need to understand when it comes to our vision, continue what Jesus started, uh, you need to understand where that came out of. Uh, we did a series years ago on the book of Acts, and we actually did it for almost an entire year. And what we did was uh, we said in that uh, series, uh, we came up with this line of continue what Jesus started. And every Sunday, there was a video that played before uh, the pastor would preach. And every Sunday, uh, there would be a verse that was a part of that video. And that verse was Acts 1.8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me read it to you uh, as we talk a little bit about our vision and our values. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, when we look at our vision and we look at our, our, our values and we look at our priorities, they are all summed up. There's a complete focus that we find in that verse. And I think we need to kind of uh, peel back the layers of that, of that verse a little bit in order to understand a little bit about what we're talking about. And so the first thing that I want to do is I want to look at the progression in that verse. I want to look at the progression in that verse. How does that verse start? It starts with the Holy Spirit. It starts with God. What ended up happening was that the church, thousands or 2,000 years ago, the church connected with God. He impacts their lives through the Holy Spirit, and then they go out and impact and connect with the lives and impact the lives of those in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly the progression that we want as well. We want to make sure that we are connecting with God and he is impacting our lives as we go out and connect with others and impact the lives of others. And so I was thinking about this before and I was like, that has to be the progression. That, that has to be the way we're going because if not, there's going to be something that's a little bit faulty. And, and one of the things I was thinking of is, uh, have you ever seen those solar-powered 
uh, lights, you know, that you put in a yard for like on, by a driveway or whatever. You stick them into the ground. I want some of those actually. Uh, and so if you have some, you can, you know, anyway. So I have these, these lights. We want to get these lights. So I was thinking about it. What would happen if I had these lights and then I put them in a box and then I put them away in my garage? And then at nighttime, I took them all out and then I put them all in the ground. What would happen? Nothing. Nothing would happen. Why? Because they need a chance and an opportunity to connect with the sun and have its light impact them in order for them to light up at night when others need it. If we are not connecting with God, if we don't start with that progression of connecting with God and allowing him to impact our lives, then what will happen? Nothing. Nothing will happen. Because it has to start by connecting with God first and allowing him to impact our lives. And so that's the progression that occurs. It's a vertical and horizontal approach. We start off with this vertical approach between us and God, and then we go out with a horizontal approach of impacting the lives of others around us. And so that's the progression that occurs in this, in this verse. It starts with God, and then it goes to us, and it goes to others. But what's the, what's the purpose of it? You know, what's the purpose of doing that? I mean, is the purpose simply to connect? Uh, is it simply to, to impact for the sake of connection, for the sake of impact? What's the purpose? Well, it's right there in the verse. The verse says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. The point is to continue what Jesus started, to be witnesses for Jesus. And we do that in both word and in deed. The point of this connection and this point of this impact is that we strive to be witnesses for Jesus. We strive to bring the gospel to those who need it. And so that's the progression. And that's the purpose. The purpose, again, is to continue what Jesus started, to be witnesses for Jesus. And the progression is we connect with God and he impacts our lives. So then we are to connect with others and impact the lives of others. All right, so that's the purpose and the progression. Well, then I'm left with a question. Who are the others? Who are the others that are the target of our vision, the target of our mission? Who are the others? There's this flow in the verse, and you get this flow of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we've looked at that flow before. And what we've done when we looked at that flow is we looked at it in a geographical uh, way. And, and that was accurate. And that's the way to look at it. We look at it as we continue what Jesus started locally, regionally, and around the world. And that's important. But what I think is, I think that it, what is more important than the places of that verse are the people of that verse. And we need to understand the people of that verse because it makes sense to the people who were hearing that command. It made sense to go into Jerusalem and Judea because those were their people. That was their kind. Those were their neighbors. Those, those were their family. Those were the people that they liked. It makes sense. But Samaria and to the ends of the earth, now that, that's radical. 
That's radical. And you got to understand something that Samaria represented a, a, a bitterness between the, the, the Jewish people and, and the Samaritans. There was this bitterness. There was, there was this, 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 this um, hatred towards them. And not only that, the, the ends of the earth, the, that's where the Gentiles live. Those are where the people who weren't Jewish. And so these two groups are, are, are considered by the Jews at that time as, as being untouchable. They're the unclean. They're the ones that religion told them to avoid. And they're the ones that Jesus is saying, go to them. That's exactly who I want. Go to them. Go to the ones who you don't really look like. Go to the ones who might dress differently than you or talk differently than you or act differently than you. Go to the ones who even might have hurt you or hurt your family. Go to them and be my witnesses. And the reality is that we do that, when we do that, we are continuing what Jesus started locally, regionally, and around the world by bringing the gospel to everyone and anyone. To everyone and anyone. We bring it to those who we are connected to in Jerusalem and Judea, and we go to the ones that we may not be connected to or may have hurt us in Samaria and around the world. We bring the gospel to everyone and to anyone. And you know what? Sometimes that's a little bit messy. And sometimes that's a little bit difficult. But you know what? Sometimes God shows up in the greatest ways when things are messy and things are difficult. As we were listening to Bill and Miriam talk a little bit earlier, I couldn't help but notice Miriam's, not her words, but the way she was saying things. When she said, it wasn't easy. You just heard in her heart, you heard in her voice, just that weight. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And as I listened to that, I, I was reminded of the, of the word in Acts 1.8, the word witnesses. And the reason I was reminded of the word witnesses is because in the original language where this verse was written, the word witnesses was actually where we get the word martyr from. And a martyr is someone who's willing to give up everything, even his own life for the sake of the mission. And Jesus calls us to be witnesses, to be a group that is willing to give up everything for the sake of the mission. You know what? 2,000 years ago, a group of followers of Jesus did just that. They were willing to be witnesses and give up everything for the sake of the mission. And they went out to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you know what? The world was never the same again. About 70 years ago, another group of followers of Jesus did that very same thing when they decided to meet in a fire hall, willing to give up everything for the sake of the mission. And because of that, Calvary Church was formed. Will we be that kind of group? Guys, we can be that kind of group. We can be the kind of group that, that people point to at another point in time and say, because of them, 
Because of them, my life has changed. Guys, we can do that. Not for, not for the sake of, of the glory of myself or not for the sake of the glory of Calvary Church, but for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ and for the sake of his mission. Can we be witnesses? Can we be witnesses and continue what Jesus started with our words and with our actions? Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the many people who came before us willing to sacrifice everything for your mission. We thank you for those who sacrificed their friendships, who sacrificed their lives, who sacrificed their finances so that the gospel could reach those who need it. And so we ask you that you would allow us to have hearts that just are burning with the passion of your mission, and that we would do anything to reach people with the good news of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to be with Charles, Jay, and myself as we lead, and we ask you that you would give us wisdom and hearts that are sensitive to you. Just be with us, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have one more thing before we end. And I can't imagine a better way to end our service. We have baptisms today. And so I encourage you to listen to the stories as you hear about lives that were connected to someone and then were connected to God and how those lives were impacted and were never the same again. And so I encourage you to celebrate today and just join in. If you need a clap, you clap. If you need a cheer, you cheer. But God's doing amazing things and we want to celebrate that today. So take a look at the video on the screens. So my life before knowing Jesus Christ was um, honestly just stressful and anxiety provoking that came with like this crippling anxiety and panic attacks um, because I grew up knowing God and Jesus my whole life, um, but then my father had passed away about five years ago and it caused um, me to like spiral and have all these feelings and just be fearful of stepping into the church again. And um, you know, with the help of my husband and, you know, my friends, um, I was able to, you know, get, seek the counsel that I needed and be able to cast all those fears away and step back into the church again. I came to know Jesus um, growing up as a child, but really had a relationship with him through my two best friends, um, Julia and Carol, and they just encur always encouraged me to create that relationship with him. And I would go to church with them and I just really loved that relationship piece that I didn't always get from going to a Catholic church. And I just felt like there was a connection. My life today, um, I feel peaceful about the past and the things that happened. And I feel joy for the future of one day being able to meet Jesus Christ and being able to see my dad again in heaven. And, you know, so I just feel happy. So when I went to counseling, um, it was more of like, it's okay to believe in something. And, you know, so I chose to start coming back to the church. And when I would come to the church, it was like almost like the pastor was speaking to me about um, just what happens when you do um, pass away and you go to, you know, you go to meet Jesus and you go to heaven. And it just like brought me the sense of peace of knowing like where my dad was and where one day I could go if I knew Jesus. 
want to be baptized today because um, I feel joyful of the future and knowing Jesus Christ, and I want to publicly confess my love and commitment to Jesus Christ. Hey, Karen. Hi. How you doing? Good. Good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Karen, are you trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him every day for the rest of your life? then it is with your testimony here today that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My life before I came to know Jesus as my Savior was tough. It was really tough. I just spent a lot of time in my life mad. I wasn't able to forgive myself for things that happened to me, whether the fault was in myself or other people. I took my family for granted, which I really regret. Um, so that was really tough because I was trying to deal with things that they had no idea I was dealing with. I felt like my entire childhood was based around loss. My family had lost 16 family members by the time that I was 19 and I took it all really hard. Um, it was really tough for me. Something that changed my life so much, um, uh, between ages seven and 21, I was either sexually assaulted or raped four times, and it was very hard for me. Um, I wanted to come to know Jesus so that I could change that life of anger into a life that could hopefully inspire and help other lives. The reason I've been so lucky to come to know Christ is because of my neighbors, Michelle and Steve, who have been so accepting and understanding towards me, and I'm so grateful that their hearts have been that way towards me. They definitely have encouraged me to make the best decision that I've made in my life so far in going back to church and getting to know Jesus as much as I do now. So my life today is so very amazing. I can't even express how much Jesus has changed my life, what he's done for me. He's given me the strength to accept that even though I did go through that loss, that my family members are 100% in the arms of the Father, and I will be there one day too. Um, he's given me the strength to see a life past rape, which I truly never thought would be possible. Um, so that's huge to me. Um, he's given me the freedom to love myself for who I am. So the reason I wanna be baptized is because my faith in Christ has grown to be so very strong. Um, I hope to just inspire other people through my story, and I can't wait to just live this life for and because of Jesus Christ and leave the years that I wasn't able to forgive myself and the years that I spent mad at this world just in three feet of water. Hey, Ashley. Are you trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Absolutely. And is it your desire to follow him every day for the rest of your life? Absolutely. Then with your testimony here today, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've believed since I was a young girl. At the age of nine, I came home from Sunday school one day. We were learning about faith. And I was with my mom, and I was asking my mom, because I wasn't comprehending what faith was, and I asked her, what is faith? 
And she said, well, it's believing in something that you can't see or touch, um, but in your heart, you know it's, it's real. At the age of 23, I professed my faith when I lived in California, um, but I still didn't have the ritualistic part of being baptized. And I've always, always yearned for it. Um, when I met my mother-in-law, I always, I've, I've always said my mom told me what faith is. Through my mother-in-law, I learned. She showed me what faith was. With her help, my faith became stronger and stronger. And with the help of my husband, I am professing my faith and getting baptized. Knowing Jesus as my Savior brings me a lot of peace. Hey, Jeannie. Hello. Are you trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, I do. And is it your desire to follow him every day for the rest of your life? Yes, it is. Awesome. Based on your testimony here today, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. My life before I came to know Jesus as my Savior was um, like I felt normal and happy and then after I felt joyful and free. How I knew Jesus as my Savior is that my pastor asked us who wanted to know Jesus and I raised my hand and we all prayed as a group. I'm really excited to meet other kids in Calvary and play with them and help get to know them better. My faith impacts other people by me, like helping them and making them more joyful and all. My family volunteered for Rise Against Hunger, and it was really fun, and we had a good time. I love Jesus because he died for us and rose again. I want to be baptized today because I want people to know I love Jesus. Hey, Ella. Hi. It's so good to see you here today. I'm glad you're here. Ella, are you trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him every day for the rest of your life? Yes. Then based on your testimony here today, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this picture of faith. Thank you for how you have leaned into us and have loved us. And uh, for these people that are, here, or that are here today, that have given a testimony here today before this congregation of their love for you and their faith in you. Lord, I pray for them as they go forward. I pray that we will encourage them and that you will continue to love them as you love all of us. We thank you so much for this day and we pray all these things in your name, amen.
That's awesome. I mean, that's the whole point. Guys, I said it would get messy and difficult at times. But when I hear stories like that, it's so worth it. And I hope you were paying attention because when, if you paid attention to the stories, you would have heard names of people, friends, family members who reached out and connected with someone and impacted their lives. The truth of the matter is the most powerful voice here at Calvary Church is not the one from the platform. It's yours. So go out and connect with others this week and impact their lives. Have a great week.